Blog Talk Radio. Oh, mama, I'm in fear for my life from the long arm of the Lord. Got miles to go before we sleep. Lawman is putting into my running and I'm so far from my We will not go gently. Uh, we're going to unleash hell here in December. Oh, mama, I can hear you crying. You're so scared and all alone. Hey, somebody fix this guy's buckle. I don't hey, play football. coming down from the gallows and I don't have very Last night, that loss went on the defense and the coaching staff. 
Um, I definitely question the second two-point conversion that was called. I don't question the first one. But when you go to the second one, I understand the theory of, well, if you make the second one, it's going to make up for the law the missed first one. But at some point, you can't keep passing up points. Now, the Steelers have been great before that. I'm not trying to money more and quarterback this thing, but I definitely question that decision. Now, on top of that, the defense, it's exactly what you said. When the Pittsburgh Steelers scored, and, and Ben Roethlisberger faked this spike, uh, very Damarino-esque, it was a beautiful play, perfect throw to Antonio Brown. I often I said to myself, they have three timeouts left. Now, if Dallas only had one timeout, maybe, I would maybe have a little bit more confidence. But the fact that their kicker, Bailey, Dan Bailey, had already made a 53-yarder, and they were only up by one. Pittsburgh was only up by one. That they would have had that two-point conversion after that touchdown. They would have converted that and been up a field goal. I would have been a little bit more comfortable with overtime because then, obviously, they would have to score a touchdown. The Ben Dobrik defense had been doing their job for the most part. It's just there's so many questions that are surrounding this team that, unfortunately, no one has the answers to. Uh, my co-host on my Wednesday show, Lance Williams, and I spoke on the phone last night, and we literally said to each other, what are we supposed to talk about on Wednesday? On our show, the standard is the standard. Like, what are we going to talk about? I mean, this team's lost four games in a row, and they're playing Cleveland, and the the spread, which will be, I'm going to publish this article tomorrow morning, the spread is 10 points. The, the Steelers are giving 10 on the road. We know what their record is on the road against bad teams. I'm not going to think that anything is impossible, that Cleveland couldn't somehow win that game. And I just, I, I honestly have no answers for this team. So this might be a really boring show for people calling in that want to talk about the game and expect like, some answers, and you know, I'll do my best. But ultimately, this team has me absolutely flabbergasted is a good word. I mean, what do you think, Brian? Like, do you have any answers about this team, or do you just think maybe they're not that good? Yeah, you know what? There is a uh, fine line between snake bitten and not very good on defense. I do not have any problems with the offense this week. I did last week, so I'm going to give them a pass. They played with absolute heart. I'm not saying the defense didn't play with any heart, but they just didn't play. And, you know, I'm going to blame a guy that a lot of people are going to be surprised I'm going to do this. Maybe not, but I think it's time to cut – uh, you know, fire a guy on defense, an actual player that I think is personifying this reckless style of play. And when I say reckless, I think you know who I'm talking about. Number 23, Mike Mitchell. I'm, I'm done with Mike Mitchell. I'm done with, uh, with just him missing tackles. I'm done with him just uh, – uh, it, it almost seems like he is fostering the environment of bad habits and – just reckless play and uh, just there's no discipline. And that's the kind of, that's one of the leaders on that defense. And the, the discipline is not coming in the secondary from Mike Mitchell. And I put a lot of blame on him, but the rushing defense was absolutely horrendous. Was it horrendous because it just, I mean, they just couldn't get anything done or were they just overpowered by three offensive linemen with Pro Bowl honors? So I'm just not sure, but wow. I mean, you, you can't say that Dallas, I mean, wasn't the better team because they just have so many pro bowlers. That was a very good football team. But the defense, I mean, they, they couldn't make a stop towards the end twice in two minutes. They let Zeke Elliott get in the end zone. That is just horrendous. I mean, 
We're talking rushing touchdowns at the end of the game, Jeff. That's ridiculous. In two minutes, uh, with two minutes to go, have two long rushing touchdowns. Unheard of. So, I mean, Jeff, I'm flabbergasted, and I could probably bramble on forever, but I'm going to send it back to you. Yeah, there's a, there's an interesting statistic out there that of current quarterbacks, um, Drew Brees is first place, but Ben Roethlisberger is second in terms of fourth quarter comeback, take, getting your team the lead, and then your team still loses the game. Uh, it's happened to Ben Roethlisberger eight times. That's eight times in his career that he has brought the team back, scored, got, given them the go-ahead points, and then the team ends up blowing the lead and losing eight times. Drew Brees is 13 times. And that's just a really telling statistic about the Steelers' defense, not just this year, but in years past. It hasn't been the same since all those big names like Ferrier and Hampton and Joey Porter or even Lamar Woodley since they all departed. You know what? He said it best. We could, we could talk about this all night, just going back and forth about issues. I'm sure a lot of people want people fired. I'm not sure that's the way to go at this juncture. I'm thinking eventually maybe, but maybe not right now. Uh, let's get right into it. If you're on hold, again, please be patient. If you want to call in 347-850-8581, we'll get our usual first caller out of the way early. I shouldn't say out of the way. Vito, go ahead. You're on with Jeff and Brian. Gentlemen, good evening. I know you guys are very upset. I mean, I when I saw the play with Ben, and I, and I got to give kudos to the offense. I thought they did, they did a great job yesterday. They moved the ball well. I liked the play calling by Todd Haley. I thought Ben was smooth. He made a lot of nice plays. He did get, you know, he did take a nice hit here and there, too. You saw that. He got a little frazzled. He came out, came back in, but he was on his mark. I mean, he threw for over 400 yards. He threw three TDs, and I liked the way he spread the ball out to different people. The one missing person in that whole offense that got lost in all this was Sammy Coates. I haven't seen him do anything. But remember, this team's always been built on defense for years and years and years, and as people got older, and people left because, you know, those contracts were getting bigger and bigger. The one thing we haven't been able to do is really rebuild to, like, some teams like Seattle and Denver, who are some of the better defenses in the league. But you look at a team like New England, I don't think they have a great defense either. They probably have a good defense, but the offense always carries them game after game after game. So I think the biggest problem we have is that we probably lack talent on the other side of the ball. And you're right, Mike Mitchell was probably not a good pick on our behalf. That was, you know, again, sometimes, you know, we we buy people cheap, we get good deals on people, and they just don't pan out. And unfortunately, this could be a problem that may take a few years to, you know, get better. But here's the problem, guys. We only have about three years left of Ben. So it may take that long for them to fix the defensive problem. I don't know if they could fix it in one year because they're going to have to spend money and bring in some good people to do that, and if they're not willing to do that, then this is the problem you're going to have. But I think the game, the way it went yesterday and they lost, that's a killer. That hurts. The only thing they could do is is look look past it and say, you know what, we lost. we got to get better. we got to grow from it and go out. There's seven more games to go. Let's try to win one at a time. And, you know, their goal should be to try to win six out of the next seven because they think if they could get to nine or ten wins – they got a good shot at maybe matching Baltimore in the AFC North because we don't know how this division's going to end up. But if they could get nine or ten wins, they probably have a good shot of uh, making a wild card. But who knows? Only time will tell. But I know that one hurts from last night. And I was listening to the radio today. Mike Francesa was talking about the mistakes on defense and you know, the bad play calling, going for the two-point conversion over and over. You know, maybe you go for it the first time you miss it. 
you want to take one more chance, you miss it. The next few times you go for the field goal, at least at the end you're up by three. Maybe the defense could play back more and and not give up a TD, and maybe it's a different game. We go into overtime, but you know what? There's it's like it, you know, it's like you guys are saying. You're numb. You don't know what to say. There's really nothing to say. We don't know if these are problems that can be corrected over, over the rest of the season. They probably will not be. There's not much more we could do with the people we have. So, anyway, yeah. let me know what your thoughts are. Well, Vito, as always, we thank you for the phone call. And he brings up a great point, Brian, that there was a silver lining in the game yesterday, and that was that the offense was clicking on all cylinders. Roethlisberger throws for over 400, no interceptions, three touchdowns, I believe, uh, very good passer rating. Le'Veon Bell uh, has over 120 all-purpose yards, scores two touchdowns, his first of the year. Antonio Brown, I think, had something like 14 grabs, and, and he had that touchdown and the thing that I liked the most was it was the secondary targets that were really impressive. You saw Jesse James with some big catches. Ladarius Green got in the mix, and that was his first game in the black and gold jersey. Eli Rogers had some big catches, scored a touchdown. Um, even Kobe Hamilton. And um, the question then is, well, what's going on with Sammy Coates? And the ongoing theme, and those that pay attention to social media or read articles from firsthand news sources like DK Pittsburgh Sports, PostGazette.com, Trib Live, all that stuff, you heard this talk about accountability and you heard this talk about young players not taking this game serious, I guess, and not really treating it like a job. I don't know if that's truth or if we're reading too much into it, but Roethlisberger chimed in on that again. and He even brought in the coaching staff as well after the game. Sammy Coates, maybe he was getting kind of benched. I mean, everyone thought that he was healthy. I know that he was limited in practice one day this week with a finger. He remember he had the laceration against the Jets and the broken finger. He's been very inconsistent. Um, I just wonder, you know, the offense is great, but what do you think about all this accountability talk, Brian? I mean, I'm sure you've read the articles. Like, what, what are your thoughts on that situation and the fact that I still can't believe that Robinsberger brought in the coaching staff as well. What are your thoughts? Well, uh, it's been building up to this, Jeff. Uh, first of all, we've been talking about discipline and account not really the accountability word, but we've been talking about discipline for a while with this team, um, especially with stuff that goes on in the off season. And then, then actually, to me, that's something that uh, that I always thought that even though these guys are professionals, the coaches need to need to have their eye on them and counsel them even in the off season, um, just with phone calls, see how they're doing, just uh, stay up with them. But, you know, I don't know what's going on with this team, but if you're hearing it a few times, and let's recap some of the things we've heard. We heard Le'Veon Bell talk about practice, um, things not being right in practice. We're talking about, we're hearing Ben Roethlisberger now saying that, uh, that these guys are not disciplined. And I know he's a, I have a feeling that, uh, not really a feeling, I mean, it seems to me that he was pointing towards the defensive side of the ball there. Because if you saw, I mean, if you could read lips, and even if you can't, you know what he was saying three or four times in one breath, what four-letter word he was saying yesterday, because you could see it. He was so angry what happened and you know he did everything he could for this team to win and they're not if, if they're not taking it seriously or if they're just so undisciplined that they're getting those personal fouls 
at the end of the game. I mean, William Gaze was worse than Sean Davis's, but they were both inexcusable to have those face masks at the end of the game. William Gaze just didn't get called for it, but he very well could have too, and that's a big problem, just the fact that it was happening and they got away with it and then get hit with it again. So there's something going on in that locker room. There's there's a mutiny about to happen with some of these with some of these players because I have never in my life of a, as being a Pittsburgh Steelers fan have seen the coaches being thrown under the bus as much as I have this year. I have never seen it in the Mike Tomlin era until this year. I mean, to this point, and it's it's getting extreme. And uh, so maybe when they're talking about accountability, maybe they're talking about the coaching staff. Um, maybe, maybe they are talking about the younger players. Sammy Coates, I think his hands are beat up, and I think he has hands of stone to begin with. He's like the, the kid in the movie, uh, the 1991 classic with Scott Bakula, Necessary Roughness, where uh, they call him Featherstone Stonehand. Like, don't throw it to that guy because, you know, he pulls some in, he drops them. Um, but as far as the young guys, they had Eli Rogers a couple weeks ago being benched for possibly disciplinary reasons. They're not telling us. I mean, Mike Tomlin is just uh, dancing around that issue, not really telling us what's happening. But, uh, you know, he stepped up yesterday. But, and then someone steps up, and then Sammy Coates takes a back seat. So I'm not sure what's going on in that locker room, but there is dissension in the ranks, and it is a problem, Jeff. It's got to get fixed, and if you don't fix it now, you have no chance. And this is it's really bad. You're at four and five right now with a great chance to still win the division if you can just put something together because this is the worst division I've ever seen the Pittsburgh Steelers be in in my lifetime. I'm, I've always seen other divisions be this bad, but this is the one opportunity they have a chance to get in and to right that ship, but it seems like they get further away each week. Then, then closer to finding a solution. So, no answer, but something's going on that we just don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's it's hard to disagree with that sentiment, especially with the the backlash towards the coaching staff. Maybe these kind of these, like you mentioned, those slight comments, the the backhanded jabs. It's just very weird to see that happening in Pittsburgh with uh, Mike Tomlin or any coach, really. And so. One of the one of the many issues that the Steelers are facing. So let's get another caller. Been waiting patiently on the air. Now we have eight three two two five six six five eight eight. You're on the Jeff and Brian. Go ahead. What's going on, guys? It's Melvin, man. You you have to bear with me, uh, uh, as you uh, as you can tell, I lost my voice. Yeah, I lost my voice last uh, night, man. I, um, when uh, when Ben threw that fake to uh, that that fake spike. To Antonio, that happened right in my front lap, right in my lap, because I was sitting down there in the corner of the end zone, and I I lost it. I look I look like those guys, the videos that you see when Alabama got beat by Auburn that year, when they <laughs> tried to kick the field goal, and you said they started showing YouTube videos of everybody just going crazy. I you know I went nuts um, after that, and then and then it sunk in. I looked at the clock. I was like, oh. Uh, shoot, I didn't say shoot, but oh shoot, they got 42 <laughs> seconds, and they only and not like they only need a field goal. But um, you know, my whole weekend was great until 42 seconds left. It would have been perfect. 
met Franco Harris, had a good time the whole time I was up there. Um, oh, man, the only thing I can think of, there there are a few plays that, that come to mind. One was third and one, we run a toss sweep right to Le'Veon. That was the ball that Le'Veon fumbled, and it went out of bounds. My first thought process was, dude, it's third and one. Why are we running a toss sweep? Then you got – now, whether you want to blame Artie Burns or you want to blame Sean Davis, it's third and 11, and you let a receiver get behind you for for a long touchdown play. Now, mind you, um, Dez threw Artie Burns aside like a little rag doll. He pushed the living daylights out of him. You know, he didn't get the call. It is what it is. I just cannot understand for the life of me why when it absolutely, positively has to be done, we can't get it done defensively. Now, mind you, if that offense that we saw last night, if it played like that on a week-to-week basis, we'd have three losses right now. Yeah, we probably still lose to New England, you know, with uh, – with uh, what's his name, uh, Landry? Yeah, we probably we probably I know we don't lose to Miami. I know we I don't think I don't really think that we would have lost uh, last last night if we would have took taken care of and made the smart made the smart moves. My first thought process: you go for two the first time, fine. After that, go for one every time, because you know everybody can say if and what could have and whatnot. We kick those three extra points, and everything else plays out like it played. We're up four. We're up four points. They've got to get in the end zone. Now we don't have to blitz as much, but, you know, I don't think we could have stopped the run. I think the Cowboys actually helped us out by not running the football at times, especially towards the second half when when Zeke was getting four yards. Six yards, four yards, six yards. You know, every now and then we had one good play. We stopped by the line. We got him behind the chains. And, you know, when they ended up having to punt. But after I've had to – when we were riding back from, uh, to the airport, it was like we just left a funeral of your best friend, and there's really nothing anybody can say. You know, we have, we have yeah. a saying in the silence that it was so quiet you could hear a rat pee on cotton. That's how quiet <laughs> it was. Uh, when, when we were riding out, but the only thing I can say is this: with all of the turmoil going on uh, inside, because you know, with with Ben wanting to meet with Tomlin, because the young players not are taking it like a day ago, that's fine. But we, as the public, we don't need to hear that. You know, Jim, right? Y'all married? I don't need to know what's going on in your household. I'm a fan of yours, but I don't need to know what's going on in your household to the intimate details to the point to where, okay, now we have rumblings. So from this point forward, really, there's only one game we can lose, by my estimation, for the rest of the year. The only one game we can lose, and that's to the Giants, and that's because it's an NFC opponent. Other than that, if we lose two games or if we lose an AFC game, I I think we're out of it because I'm of the opinion the AFC West is going to send three teams to the playoffs this year unless somebody gets hurt. 
the Broncos, the Chiefs, and the Raiders are going are going to the playoffs this year. So I don't see any wild cards coming from our division or from the East, or definitely not from the South. So we'll see what happens point forward. When you get punched in the mouth repeatedly, you're going to do one of two things. You're either going to lay down and quit, or you go, you're going to pull yourself up by your bootstraps, and you're going to fight back. Because like Vito said, our defense is what it is. It's not going to get any better. You know, if that, if that means our offense has to score 50 points, that may very well have to be the case, that we have to score 50 points, you know. But um, that's about it with me. Just uh, keep me on hold. Keep me muted if you can because I was riding in the car. I was just trying to wait. And, but I don't know what else to say, guys. I think I'm no different yeah. from anybody else in Steel Nation, man. Well, absolutely, Melvin. And, man, that sucks when you were there. And you know, here's the thing. You brought up the, the offensive scheme. I thought Todd Haley called a great game, except for you mentioned the toss right on third and one. It didn't make a lot of sense. And then coming out in the second half and just being obsessed with going deep, I thought they went deep. Uh, they went deep to Kobe Hamilton, and they tried to Antonio Brown, and it was a miscommunication there with he and Ben. But ultimately, other than that, I thought the offense played a great game. I thought they had a good – uh, Todd Haley is mixing it up. But in, in my opinion, you summed it up, maybe the season, definitely the game, when you said that you're sitting there, Antonio Brown scores a touchdown, you look up at the clock, you see 42 seconds, and you think, oh, crap, there's too much time. 42 yep. seconds, Melvin. 42 seconds, yep. that's it. Yep. Think back to Think back to those 2,000 teams. If someone would have said they have 42 seconds and they have to get a field goal, you'd say, man, this game's over. The game's yep. over because those guys are on lockdown. Woodley or Harrison's going to come around the edge and cause a, and sack the quarterback. And next, you know, it's going to be game over, lights out. And now Steelers fans have almost become so numb to this poor defense that they've seen for years, years now that 42 seconds seems like that's too much time. And unfortunately, it was too much time. And you can talk about face mask penalties and all that, but it was the third down conversions to Witten. It was the just really bad gap integrity on the defensive side of the ball in the running game. And it was when it when it happened that was so bad. But you, you, you hit the nail on the head there, 42 seconds, you look up and you say, oh, crap. And it's exactly what happened. And, Brian, you said the same thing, right? You saw, you saw 42 seconds and you thought there's too much time. Yeah, I, I couldn't celebrate at that point because, well, I have a role. My dad taught me this. Uh, we've talked about this for years. You don't celebrate until there's zeros on the clock. Definitely can't celebrate until there's zeros on the clock. And when I looked up and saw that, I'm like, wow, the way they've been moving on us and the way this guy's kicking, it doesn't take too many yards. It might take about 30 just to get him close enough to go ahead and uh, – and kick a field goal, and it wasn't a windy night either. So um, those, those his balls were just flying straight and true. So I, I had a feeling he was just going to knock it right in. So I, with at that point, with only just a slim one-point lead at that point, you know, you just felt – I felt doomed because I've watched this team all year long, and uh, this is what's been happening. And it would have never happened before, ever. Yeah, and 
like I said, the question is, is that there's so many questions and there's just no answers. Uh, we have a couple more callers that are waiting to get on the air. Melvin, as always, thank you for the phone call. We appreciate it. Uh, let's get this caller on the air. It's 347-605-7473. You're on with Jeff and Brian. Go ahead. Hey, what's up, guys? This is uh, Ken from Jersey. How you doing? Hey, what's up, hey, Ken? Ken? Hey, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm still just the the best word I can use is distraught. I'm, I'm like done. <laughs> um, a, a lot better today <laughs> than yesterday. But this, this loss yesterday, uh, it, it hurt. It hurt. I can't remember a feeling like this since um, the 2011 playoff uh, Tim Tebow game. That, that's that's the last time I felt the way I felt last night with just the ups and downs. And I knew everyone was going to be talking about this game. They had only been talking about it as the Cowboys anyway, but then the Cowboys-Steelers, and I just knew I wanted to be on the right side of this story. And unfortunately, that didn't happen. Um, sound like the explanation after I saw all the games, but unfortunately it didn't happen and, you know, whatever. Um this, my, my takeaway, man, uh, after after looking back and seeing things, um, a, you know, a day later. So this game was kind of like a microcosm of our season. Um, a lot of explosive plays, um, not much defense. When I say, and, and I don't want to just say that in a vacuum because the defense played well, but it's played well about eighty percent of the time. The problem is that twenty percent. It's a screen pass that goes 83 yards. It's a busted, you know, a, a, someone not in their gap or the man just getting beat and running for 30-something yards. It's, it's a, a, a bomb. It's like that, that percentage, we don't limit our – when we're not perfect, it totally changes the game. It totally flips the field. So we are feast or famine. And, and that's the biggest issue with us. We don't have the guy on defense. Like, Ben is the guy who can pull up and pull things out, championship pedigree on the offense. When all the chips are down, he just has an extra gear that he can kick into because he's been there before. We don't have that guy on defense. The only one is James Harrison, but he's, he's at the end of his career. And, and I don't even know. I have to look back at it. I don't even know if he was in on that final drive. I thought I saw Jarvis rushing. So I'm not even sure about that. But um, we don't have that guy as the quarterback of the defense. And, and, Brian, I'm so glad that you said what you said about Mike Mitchell. That was actually going to bring that up. He is the so-called quarterback of the defense back there at safety. And he's, it's the third year. Um, I thought he made incredible strides last year. Um, I'm, but he's definitely regressed. It's looking more like 2014 minus the uh, groin injury. And, I think after three years, we can probably, you know, let him go with not much cap charge. Um, he's just, he's not the guy. You know, thanks thanks for your service. Um, you know, farewell. Like, he's he's not the guy. I'd rather have Sean Davis and Robert Golden back there, let Sean Davis continue to learn the game. Golden's going to be uh, scheme-specific. And we just need guys to just play their role and not get stupid penalties. He took a really bad angle on that screen pass. Every time they showed, I'm saying, why is he why is he cutting in? Like you gotta play the angle. You know, especially you should know who's around you. So I don't know. It's um I I, I do think the defense kind of takes on his personality at times and 
not blaming the whole thing on him. We didn't lose the game because of Mike Mitchell, but at, at the end, there's nobody on that side who can just, just, you know, put their foot in the ground. This is not going to happen because we're drawn from this experience. Before we had five guys, six guys who had that. Now we have zero starters who are on the defensive side who can pull that out. And I think that's the biggest issue. Um, so Tomlin's uh, errors or the coaching errors, they don't get, they don't get um, covered up by the players now, and it's, it's glaring. So there's a, lot, there's a lot that needs to change. But um, I, I'm still sick. Um, if we do play the way that we played yesterday, we can absolutely go 6-1. and one. I will say that. So I'm looking forward to killing the Browns next week. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I hope they do kill the Browns next week. But, you know, to your point um, about Mike Mitchell, uh, I'm not sold on him as the answer in the back end either. Um, I'm, he is not um, one of my favorite players. Uh, it has a lot to do with some interaction um, on, I guess, or lack of interaction. I, I just feel like he's he's not a very good he's not a very good guy, I guess. <laughs> um, but I won't go into detail with that. But ultimately, um, this is the second game in a row that the Steelers' defense has been good, and then it's followed by but. You know, they they played well, but. In, in week nine against Baltimore, it was the 95-yard swing pass to, you know, quick quick slam to Mike Wallace that went for a touchdown. It was, you know, they played well, but, you know, they had that punt block that turned into a touchdown, and the offense couldn't do anything. And then, you know, last week or Sunday, I should say, um, they played well, but, you know, Artie Burns lets Des Bryant get behind him. I know there's a little push there, but still he lets him get behind him, 50-yard touchdown. Uh, they were good, but poor angles, Robert Golden – takes a really bad approach and Ezekiel it makes him look foolish um on that on the national stage. And that's the thing is if you look back in two thousand and fifteen, the defense was basically the same. And there's gonna be a, a shorter podcast that I do on my own about this tomorrow is it's basically the same defense, but they're not they didn't give up the big plays as much. Uh they did give up big plays. I'm not saying they didn't, but they didn't do it as frequently and that's definitely a concern. Fans at one Keep some of the blitz, blitz, blitz. Well, when you do that, you're leaving yourself vulnerable for big plays, and that's what's happened the last two weeks on different occasions. But it's frustrating. The, the thing that gets me, and, and what I'm really telling myself not to do, is that this game against Cleveland, like you said, I'm really looking forward to them killing Cleveland. I would love nothing more than a 48 to nothing finish, and there's no doubt that they, the Steelers are just unleashing all their fury onto the Browns. But ultimately, I don't care. They could win 20-19, to 19, and yet people are going to bitch and moan, but ultimately, it's a win, and that's what they need. They need the streak to stop, they need to get back to 500, and they need to just kind of get that ball rolling. And if it means an ugly win in Cleveland, I'll take an ugly win in Cleveland. Brian, do you think style points matter in this game coming up in week, 10, week 11, or does it just you just got to win? Jeff, I took an ugly girl to prom, so it doesn't matter. A win's a win. You just do what you have to do. You've got to get that big W. When you're starving and they throw you a cracker, you don't – I was doing an Eddie Murphy bit, but you don't, compl- you don't complain that it's not a Ritz cracker. You just take whatever cracker you can get. So that's what they need to win. And with the state of the union of the AFC North right now, Jeff, still game on, and it shouldn't be. So we talked about that earlier. 
Right now, Cincinnati's uh, deadlocked at seven with the New York Giants, but if something happens that they lose that game, Pittsburgh starts picking up with a big win next week, whether it's big or not, just a win next week, start writing the ship. We've seen them go two and six, then six and two a couple times in the last ten years. We've seen that happen. We've seen big second-half finishes for this team. That's uh, something that happens. Is it possible right now that, that they do that? Well, we're, we're hoping, and we're, we're football praying that, that it happens. And, you know, this team's done that before, but I'm just afraid of the defense. But I've got, I've got to just uh, believe that it's going to happen. And if anything, I mean, the brightest thing to look at on the schedule is Cleveland. So, I mean, if anything's going to fix things, it's beating Cleveland. Now, if you lose to the Cleveland, I guarantee you next week I'm packing it in. I'm not packing in my work on BTFC. I'm not packing in the podcast, but I'm looking towards next year if they lose to a team like Cleveland next week. I mean, that's boring. Yeah. Maybe that's premature, but next week's break, make or break. But it can start right now, and we'll see what kind of heart. We talk about heart all the time on the show, Jeff. We'll see what kind of leader that uh, that Ben is, and uh, we know we know he's a leader, but we're going to see if he can pull it through. We're going to see what kind of leader that we need to have on the opposite side of the ball. Ken Hayworth, I love him, but I'm talking to you right now. You, you pick this defense up. Don't just criticize them. You pick them up, and you tell them what to do. You're like, I'm your boss, and you're listening to me right now. I'm your captain. We need an outspoken captain. And I believe somebody said it last week. It might have been um, – I'm not sure exactly who said it last week as being who is the unspoken leader of the defense. You have to think about it. Well, it needs to be Cam Hayward at this point. And, uh, you know, I, I believe that, uh, that he can rally these troops. So let's just take it one game at a time right now, and let's be Cleveland. Amen. So, Ken, thanks for the phone call. As always, if you're uh, listening and you want to call in, if you're listening live, you can, 347-850-8581. But speaking of leaders, let's hear from our sponsors, the leader in the courtroom, Frank Walker Law. Smart or stupid? Those strobing lights in your rear view, that flashlight shining in your face? License, registration, and insurance, please. The little adventure you're about to have with this guy? Uh, I'll need you to step out of the vehicle, please. Okay, so you've done something stupid. Fix it with a smart move. For DUI or criminal defense, call Frank Walker of FrankWalkerLaw.com. He knows his way around a courtroom. 412-532-6805. 412-532-6805 or FrankWalkerLaw.com. All right. So, again, if you want to call in, you can. 347-850-8581. We've had someone that's impatient on hold. Get this individual in the air. 336-382-4176. Sean with Jeff and Brian, go ahead. Hi, how you doing? My name is Shaq. I'm calling from North Carolina. How's it going, man? Oh, man, I, I watched the game. I, I was really, uh, you know, me being a Marine, going all the way around the world. I've been a, I've been a Steelers fan since Choke Noel. And uh, I tell my cousins and a lot of people that are Steelers fans down here in the South, and I tell them all the time, Pittsburgh Steelers have some of the most spoiled fans in the world. <laughs> And you know, <laughs> I mean, I, I see them on uh, uh, behindthesteelcurtain.com, and you know, it's this and this and that and that. He, 
<laughs> you know, it's like when you in the flesh business, <laughs> you know, uh, me being a, a retired professional fighter at the same time, I see younger fighters come in and do their work, and then some of them don't take it as serious. And they think just because they went in a little bit or, or, or like just because they got drafted or just because they're on the team, some of them are okay and they think it's supposed to, but you got to have the attitude to go even further than that. But, you know, when you're in that flesh business, you can have a, a, a injury here, an injury there, and then everything can go down the drain. It takes, a, it takes a lot of things to go right in order for you to be on top, a lot of things to go right. And in the in the event of uh you know now you got little league and junior high school football and all you look how long that's been around. Now when these guys come in now, that's why you see the NFL records are so it's parity because the players are even more skilled than what I was when I was small and coming up because it's been here a long time. So when these players come in now, they are more skilled, but they still need time to grow. Once that back end catch up to the front end and they get the schemes and stuff right because there are a lot of things that go have to, have to happen right. You know, you have to, once you call a place, you have to see what the scheme is, whether they cover three or cover two, whether they're playing zone or man-to-man. You got to hope for whatever play you got is in the right scheme. So there's a lot of things that has to happen and has to go on right. So, you know, I'm not, I'm not mad. I don't try to get as emotionally invested because I know it's, it's up and down and I know it's a season. But, you know, I think the boys are uh, a bounce back. You know, you'll fight once you got your back to the wall. And if I was training those boys, I would break down those individual units and they need to do some unity drills. I would have them carrying big-ass logs, the, the D-backs, <laughs> and what's called them, and y'all, y'all see who carrying their weight and who going to quit. I had them in the rain, <laughs> in the woods together. Those are defensive units and offensive line units. You would see – what the camaraderie is, how y'all going to have those team-building skills, and a lot of them just don't have because you can have the greatest athletes in the world playing on on the same team, and they still can't win because the chemistry is not there. And that's how that has to be utilized. So when you're in that flesh business, you have to interview these players coming out. Do they have uh, domestic violence problems, drug problems? And then if they get a lot of money, they're going to start to act a damn fool. So it's a lot of things that, you know, that, yeah. that's not a, a very uh, uh, easy analysis uh, analysis to make. So you got to, well, if this person does this, how are they going to act? Do they have depression problems? How how they act? Uh, are they going to come? You, you know how you go to your job. If you have a problem with your girlfriend or your wife, do you work at 100% like you normally would work? How do you work? You know, how do you work when, when your wife is pregnant or 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 something's wrong with your children, or they they in trouble. How do you work on the job? You know, Pete, there's a lot of things you got to take into account. But at the end of the day, it's about what you're going to do when you step on that field. And that's all I want to say. I enjoy the program. <clears throat> well, thanks for the phone call. We appreciate it. The military has a unique way of uh, drawing out camaraderie between team members, and I, I think that there's a reason why a lot of professional sports teams do a lot of what he was talking about. They they have those military style trainings. I know that one of the teams that does that on a, on a regular basis is another team in Pittsburgh. It's the Pittsburgh Penguins. Um, before the season, typically, I don't think they did it this off season because of the long Stanley Cup championship season. But they've had their players go up to New York and they've gone through a, a 
series of rigorous uh, military-style trainings to kind of develop that camaraderie. And maybe that's what's missing with this team. You, you really have players that are really young, and you have players that are, you know, much more experienced. And so when you have that mix of old and young, sometimes it's the young that doesn't really grasp what's going on and takes some time. And hopefully that time is, is coming for these young players. But you know, he brought up a really good point at the beginning. He said, the Steelers fan base is probably one of the most spoiled in the NFL. And, and I agree. I mean, it's, it, it's literally Super Bowl or bust. And I have to think that the players and the coaching staff put those labels and put those expectations on themselves. It's not just the fan base that's doing it. Um, but, Brian, would you agree that this is the most spoiled fan base in all of football? I would have to say. And, uh, you know, that's what you get with uh, with a history of excellence. And when I say in the modern era from 1969 on, and when that first Super Bowl victory happened in the 1974 season, 1975, we've come to expect excellence. And, you know, for the most part, we've had you know, a lot of success over the years. I mean, you know, an eight and eight season in Pittsburgh is is a disaster. In Detroit and Cleveland, it's like uh, okay, it's something to build on. I mean, it's it's viewed something completely differently. And you know, we do get spoiled when you expect something over and over again. And it, 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 let me rephrase that: when it happens over 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 and over again, you expect it to happen. My dogs know when they when they hear uh, foil, they come running because I gave them a, I gave them a treat before. Ten years ago, when I first got my dogs, I uh, I yelled out touchdown Steelers and I gave them a treat because I was so happy. Every time it's Pavlovian. Every time I said uh, I said touchdown Steelers, to this day they come running because they know they expect it, and when they don't get it, they're upset. They, they'll stare at me with those eyes the entire time they're going to wait and get that treat. And that's exactly what Steeler fans are because we've tasted it so often, we want to keep tasting it. And you can't blame us for being spoiled. I mean, I know I'm a part of the spoiled fan base because I want it to keep happening. I know it's not Super Bowl or bust every year. I mean, I don't go that far, but a lot of people do, and a lot of people just don't understand. As far as that phone call from Shaq, that was one of my favorite phone calls in a long time. I really enjoyed that. That fired me up, and that made me believe that uh, when I when I harp on heart, like I always do, that that made me believe it. That you go a little deeper. What drives you? Maybe that's what they need to do. Find out what drives this team. And you're talking about uh, the Penguins doing exercises like that, military exercises. Maybe just something simple as going on, uh, outside the box and doing a trust exercise where uh, you fall down and know that the guy next to you is going to catch you. It's something as simple as that. I mean, they, they need that kind of cohesion. And, uh, but that, that phone call has me to the point where, okay, let's break it down and get it back. And I think they can if they just employ that kind of mentality that Shaq was talking about. Well, yeah, the only thing that, that is standing in the way of something like that being very valuable and very effective is plain and simple pride, hubris, whatever you want to call it. Um, as someone that's coached, uh, as someone that's played, 
when you are the leader and you brought brought up Cam Hayward and if you if you watch the post game interview with him and his locker, I've never seen Cam Hayward that way before since he's been drafted. He was very distraught, he was very quiet. Um, didn't really elaborate on answers. And I understand you just lost a big game, you're not happy with it, but there comes a point where as a leader you have to evaluate yourself. And this goes to Mike Tomlin, this goes to Ben Roethlisberger, it goes to Antonio Brown, Cam Hayward, uh, Le'Veon Bell, uh, whoever whoever may be viewed as a leader on that team. And you have to say, if what I'm doing, if, if they're not listening, you don't just keep <clears throat> banging your head against the wall. Rather, you make a change. You do something different. You change the practice schedule. You change up. Maybe you give them an extra day off. You know, that's unheard of in the National Football League. But maybe you say, look, we're going to get away. We're going to go do something different. Um, We're going to have a little light practice. We're not going to – give them them the option. There's so many things you can do to kind of get them back. After an emotional loss like that, after losing four games in a row, it is possible to lose your team emotionally. And so what you have to do as leaders – and that's coaching staff and the players, you have to find a way to keep them engaged. You have to find a way to make sure that they know that there's still a lot to play for. Shaq said it best. They can still go on a run. The season's not over. Ken said the same thing, that this team certainly could go 6-1 and one down the stretch. There's no reason to think that they, that they couldn't. They absolutely can. They have, they, have, they have talent on offense. They have a defense that's capable of standing tall. We've seen them do it before. And they're not playing the best competition. And if we've seen anything from Pittsburgh since 2005, it's just get into the dance and see what happens. You know, everyone wants to talk about first-round buy and home field advantage. Well, you know what? That might be out the window, but they can still win the division. They can still host a home game, and they could possibly make a run. So you just have to get in. But you know what? We don't really have any more callers. We've had some great callers tonight. Brian, let's go ahead and go into since the Steelers hangover that's in, uh, you know, a an adult beverage style theme that we have. Let's go with your final call. What, what do you want to say to Steel Nation before we call our show? All right, let's just uh, let's start over right now. I mean, Bill Cowher did this in 2005, and he's like, the season starts now, and that was with four games to go. They won those four games. They won four more. So let's start now. Reckless abandoned the right way. Just I mean, leaders lead. All there is to it. If you're despondent after a game like that, like Cam Hayward was, do something about it. That's all there is to it. Just do something about it. This is a team we've seen them. We, we saw them yesterday. Let's take the loss aside. I had a sense of pride during that game with the way, with the way that team was hanging with the Dallas Cowboys and then beating the Dallas Cowboys at that point. They did some very nice things. There were some very positive things in that game, but it's all overshadowed by 42 seconds. So, you know, I want somebody to take a big four and a big two and put it up in that locker room and stare at it and get pissed off about it and just and, and let it drive you. And if they have the heart, it will drive them. It starts with Cleveland now. Uh, I believe these guys can do it, or it's over. No, your back's against the wall, or it's over. Your football lives for 2016 are on the line, or it's over. So you decide what route you want to take. 
Do you want to go for the glory, or do you just want to bitch about it? So decide right now and go out and take that on the field in Cleveland and do something about it. That's my final call. You know what? That's the best, best way I could think to end the show. It's absolutely perfectly put in terms of it's now or never. Put up or shut up. You know, everyone says Roethlisberger saying his stuff and Lady on Bell. You know what? Just keep your mouth shut. Just do your job. Win football games. It starts with Cleveland. Couldn't have said it better. Well, thanks for listening. We thank our sponsor, Frank Walker Law, of course, uh, and always being on the on board with us. And then also we want to mention Tuesday night, tomorrow night, make sure you tune in to Brian's show with, uh, <clears throat> what's his name again? Ah, uh, yeah, Zach Barnes. I'm just giving him a hard time. <laughs> uh, the the uh, Fact or Fiction show on Tuesday night. Wednesday night, tune in to listen to Lance and I. We don't know what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about the Browns game, but we might talk about some other crazy stuff, so tune in for that. And then, obviously, leading up to game day, make sure you listen there. Check out BehindTheSteelCurtain.com for all your Steelers needs. For Brian, I'm Jeff. We'll see you next time, hopefully a little bit happier on the Steelers hangover. Bye. There's a time and a place for black and white, like when you're learning to play piano, or when you want a big two-toned cookie, or when shopping for a pet zebra. But if you want to attract customers, there's no room for black and white, so go to Staples. Staples specializes in bold, hard-to-miss color printing. And now at Staples, get 20% back in rewards on color printing, from banners to brochures and copies to presentations. Print more color, save more money at Staples. In-store only. Ends 11 10, 18. Restrictions apply. See store associate or staples.com slash 20 back for details. Hello, I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation, and I want to tell you about my new show, It Seemed Smart. It Seemed Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seemed smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain, or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission, or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart.